0: I literally wrote emails to people for a whole year, a whole year and got zero replies. We ended the meeting, right? And I said nothing about my service. We stood up. When I was about to leave, she said, hey, by the way, the thing that you talked about earlier, do you think we can talk more about how you can help us? Like how I can help them with them? So I said, yeah, sure, of course. I I would love to help. They thought I was too expensive. I was the first agency that they talked to. So they talked to four other, And they still came back to me because the four others just didn't understand their problem. Do you remember
1: what the process was that you went through from sending those cold emails and not getting any response to landing some of your first clients? What changed?
0: Yeah, I remember the first thing.
1: The conversation you're about to hear is with one of my clients who went from having hardly enough work to way too much work. But more importantly, we're going to dig into the nuances and the strategies behind outreach and lead generation, as well as creating a compelling offer that positions you as the only option for your ideal clients. Kai is based in Taiwan and runs a video production agency. He's extremely good at what he does. And in this conversation, we're going to be examining how he won his dream clients like Bentley. So you are in for a treat. Kai, welcome to the Creative Courage podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to just start today by revisiting before we met and just thinking about for you, what life and business was like, say 12 months ago, can you just paint a little bit of a picture for us?
0: Well, I would even go back to before 12 months. So when we first met, I started, started my business for around a year. And so I quit my nine to five job from a production studio, which is literally one of the best production studio in Taiwan. And I thought myself that that, you know i had all the skills to create like amazing video commercials and all that stuff so i tried for a whole year i learned about outreach cold outreach and stuff so i literally wrote emails to people for a whole year a whole year and got zero replies nobody went to work i mean i did got two to be precise but didn't end up closing the deal with them there was no sales call at all but it, it was pretty bad like i The expectation and reality was really bad. Like I imagined myself that one year later, I'm going to be so great and stuff. So when we had our first call together, I was extremely stressed, landed around like just a few clients and it's all from referrals, all word of mouth, never landed a single client by myself. And I had a a family to take care of. I have a son and I have a a wife. So it's just extremely stressful uh, situation.
1: Yeah. And how was that showing up in your life and business when you say it was stressful obviously everyone knows what stress is but for you personally not being able to land a client and doing all that outreach and it not resulting in anything—like, like how is that showing up for you kind of mentally what was going on in your head
0: and going back to the family side i think as a father as a husband that's one side of thing right like i'm stressed because i'm not doing well as a father and as a husband and i think emotionally that's painful and on the other side as a As an artist, you're not doing what you're meant to do. So I think it's like a double stress. It's like, I feel like I have a strong purpose as a family man. I do believe that I I need to take care of my family, you know? And as an artist, I feel like that's something that I would do for the rest of my life. You know, there's no retirement in my dictionary. Like, I want to do it for the rest of my life. And so I feel like I'm not doing both of them. Like,
1: nothing is working. So it's definitely very heartbreaking for me, so... Yeah, I love that. I mean, I don't love the situation, but I love how you identify with those things. Okay. And so it wasn't working. And why did you think it wasn't working? Like, what was your logic? What was your reasoning? I never really looked into the the reason why it's not working. It's just
0: things are not working. And you just keep trying it, and I think a lot of artists they do this. We self-diagnose. We started looking our websites, right? <laughs> like, is it not good looking enough? Is it, why is it not attracting people, right? I think when you first started out as doing business, and technically I was a freelancer. To be completely transparent, like I did register a company and stuff, but I, w- I was working like a freelancer. And you look at everything from face value. And I remember clearly the first call I had with you, uh, the the clarity call. You just went straight to the point. You just called me out, and then you say. I was ignorant and I didn't care about people, right? And, <laughs> okay. and I, I I actually took a whole week thinking about it. I said, it's like, like there's no way for you to try to just come and attack me, right? Like we never met before. Why, why would you do that, right? It's like, unless you had a bad day that day, but I don't think that was the case. And so I said, there must be a reason why you would say that. Like, so I really looked into all the emails that I wrote to people. It's like, I never really think from their perspective, like I only care about what video can I shoot? Can I shoot a video for you? So like, I just think about myself. And I never thought about from the client perspective, I thought I did because I did watch some, you know, Crystal's video and stuff, you know? And I thought I knew what it was, but I was completely
1: wrong. I never knew what I was doing. Okay. So that triggers my memory now. So I think the conversation we had was like, I asked you why you thought you weren't getting a response And I think we went down the whole, like my work isn't good enough and blah, 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 blah. And I think I said, like, you're so focused on yourself, right? What about these people that you're serving? If my memory serves me correctly. So give us some context, like what were you saying in these emails? What I said basically was just keep talking about
0: how I did say something that my videos can help their business, but it's really focused on the work itself. And rather than technically, I did mention about the results, but now that I revisited, it was completely BS, to be honest. It's like, you know, it's so clear that I didn't know what they're doing. It's so clear that I don't know what's their pain point. Basically, like I'm paraphrasing, but my my video is going to make your business grow like crazy. You know, it's like, what do you know about my business? Like I have no context in what they're doing. And so it's just a very shallow email. And you did ask me something that I find it quite interesting is that you asked me when people try to call outreach to me, do I answer them? And my answer was no, Mm -hmm. I don't answer to any call outreach. And so I was like, oh shit, like, so I was the same. And so it was a very painful
1: week to accept that. But (laughs) I knew I had to because it's the reality, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're a good sport for doing so. Yeah, and I don't want to get too much into this right now, but something I do find fascinating as a coach is that almost always in business, the problem people have is a reflection of what they are currently putting out. Like the results they're getting in their life are a mirror of their own thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors. And so I always find it interesting when people say to me stuff like, oh, well, I'm right now, my biggest problem is. I can't close clients and they take ages to make a decision. And then they come and talk about getting help from us and they want ages to make a decision. And I'm like, this is exactly what's showing up in your business. You are putting this out. That's why you're attracting people that take ages to make a decision because you take ages to make a decision. So it's like the reason no one's, you know, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons I believe that no one was replying to your cold emails is because you don't reply to cold emails. We can't have both, you know, like we can't have our cake and eat it. If we want people to make fast decisions, we've got to make fast decisions. If we want people to reply to cold emails, we've got to reply to cold emails. You know, it's a two-way thing. And so I'm always really interested in that. But let's not segue into that because I feel like that's a whole different podcast episode. This one in particular, what I want to talk to you about is outreach because you nailed exactly what you needed to do in many ways. And I just want to break that down because... One thing I love about you, Kai, is like you're super coachable and when we say this is what you need to do, you just go and do it and you come back with the results and then we're like, cool, let's work on that thing. And so I remember very early on in the process, I'm not sure if you got the client I'm thinking of straight away and and I'll let you like say names just so that I don't you know say anything I'm not supposed to, but do you remember what the process was that you went through from sending those cold emails and not getting any response to landing some of your first clients, what changed?
0: Yeah, I remember the first thing that you told me was to do a a market research, to really understand Mm -hmm. the client's pain point and and not even making a sale, like not even trying to hop on a sales call or whatever. And I was just super anxious. I was like, I need money now. It's just so interesting because The more you needed things, the more stressed you are, the more you needed to slow down. It's like I was super Mm. hungry, but then you wanted me to slow down and really understand my clients' pain points, do research with them. So I went and I just sent, I don't know, I would say literally at least 500 within just a a few weeks uh, emails. And then I talked to so many business owners. And for some reason, I start to get reply back, right? For a whole year, I got nothing. Right, And then just the way I changed my approach, just to want to understand their business, I started to get an, an insane amount of reply and only on LinkedIn. Like I've only done LinkedIn. I, I tried email mm-hmm. a little bit, but it, like it I just said, okay, I'll just focus on LinkedIn. So I, all of my clients, even till now, it's all came from LinkedIn. And I started got a bunch of replies and my business is focused in tech product brands. So I only talked to those people. I started to get a lot of insights. Although those were compared to what I know now, it's still very shallow, but it definitely changed the way I start conversations because I know that I have to start the conversation about their business and their pain. And so talking about my first client that I I landed with was literally the biggest client I've ever landed was Bentley. And the way that I literally approached them was that I sent an email saying that I looked through their whole year of campaign, social media, marketing, whatever they did, and I said, I've prepared a whole report for you to tell you what we think about your business and what we think that you can improve. And then I just said, I don't need anything from you. I just wanted to show if I hope that this thing can be helpful to you. And I will say one of the most important thing I also learned from you was follow ups, because I did remember I asked you about follow up. I, was, I wasn't I was feeling comfortable about it. But then you told mm-hmm. me that, you know, I, I had to follow up. so. I follow up like three, four times before Bentley actually answered me once. And I remember I follow up until probably the fourth time. And I emailed the second biggest, which is the brand director. And the brand director just, she emailed me back. She said, oh, I'm so sorry, I was so busy. I didn't see all of the message you sent me before. And I say, thank you so much for doing all the works. And would you mind to come to our office and have a chat and just show us what you've done? And then I was like, it was just a completely eye-opening moment for me because I never expected someone like them would answer me. And it was at the fourth
1: email. Yeah, crazy, man. So yeah, there's a couple of things that I want to break down here, right? The first one is the switch from email to LinkedIn, which you mentioned. Why do you think you got better results from LinkedIn than you were getting from emails? Do you think you would have still got the same results if you used email?
0: I might have, but I think the strategy is completely different to me personally. I'm not saying about other people, but LinkedIn was because I can see a lot more information about the individual. I can see what they've done recently. I can see maybe they're posting something about their vision or what they're working on stuff. So I think it's easier to build rapport through LinkedIn Mm. and also because they can see me as well. Right. If I just send them an email, the most they can see probably is just a photo. But a lot of times I do get reply after they check my profile, I'll receive a notification, they say they check my profile and then they answer me. So that's why I think LinkedIn is better. And
1: so that client you got, which was the big client Bentley, was that through LinkedIn? Yeah, it was through LinkedIn. Okay. Amazing. So the first thing was like switching up and doing more stuff through LinkedIn. And then the second thing was that you basically compiled some stuff for them for free in terms of your insights and you sent that to them, right? Yeah, I had a whole like uh,
0: thick pages of, of things that I think they could do to help. And I also guessed what they were trying to do. So I do think that this thing is helpful. It's like, even if you try to guess what they're trying to do, they kind of appreciate the effort, right? So I, I saw mm-hmm. that they're trying to reach a younger audience because they're trying to do some little fun stuff that only probably Gen Z kids care about. And I saw, I, I saw you did this thing and then they were so happy that I noticed it. So they kind of mm-hmm. appreciated the effort. Although my direction might be wrong, but I think there are times where effort matters more than the result sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So, well, it's really like the whole saying, you know, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, definitely. I think this was this was definitely the case, yeah. Okay, so the biggest shift that I've picked up on so far is the focus on the end client rather than you trying to sell your creative services. Is that right?
0: Everything that I say, and I, I was very aware of what I was doing. It's like, I, I'm not going to sell anything the whole time. And mm. in my mind, it's mm-hmm. like, even if I don't land them, they might introduce me to someone else. So I specifically didn't say anything about sales until they mentioned it. So I remember we talked for two hours in their office, headquarter, and then we ended the meeting, right? And I said nothing about my service. We stood up. When I was about to leave, she said, hey, by the way, the thing that you talked about earlier, do you think we can talk more about how you can help us, like how I can help them with them? So I see, yeah, sure, of course, like I, I would love to help. So we later on schedule another meeting to talk about how we could help. So it was literally when we stood up, then she mentioned about mm-hmm. it. So I literally hold my, my lip tight about it as I didn't say, I didn't try to sell anything,
1: which is very difficult. <laughs> yeah, really difficult. <laughs> and talk to me about some of the mindset and some of the fear about, following up because that's the third thing that you mentioned was that you sent this report originally you got no response but then you were really uncomfortable about following up so first of all kind of what was coming up for you when i mentioned you need to follow up with these people
0: well i remember i did talk to you about it talking about how uncomfortable i was and stuff and definitely something that you said before also is like it was just completely true like when you follow up or even the first message you send them, they're probably busy doing a lot of stuff. And it was my case, you know, I ignored, not that I ignored, but I missed a lot of messages from people as well. So why wouldn't they, especially if they're from Bentley, right? They, they must be 10 times busier than me. And I feel like I was very lucky that I got to have that experience from Bentley because I learned that I'm going to at least have four follow-ups. And now I, I probably told a lot other people from the community is like, I do up to 12 follow-ups. And literally the result is just, I cannot even explain how crazy the results are because there are clients that came after the 10th follow-up. So I'm just crazy with follow-ups right now.
1: Yeah. And so talk me through like some of the resistance that maybe initially came up for you because I know that if me and you went out and people are listening to this, they're like, that's all great for Kai. He obviously doesn't care about what people think of him or whatever, but like, I know that's not true. So what was Mm -hmm. the kind of like, internal resistance that you had to navigate around following up with people 10 times
0: one of the thing definitely a, a logical reason is that i was scared that i would burn the relationship from being annoying to them right it's like they got annoyed and to be very honest even till now when i reached like up to like five or six follow-up i do still feel a little bit of resistance to be completely honest but i do feel like i'm gonna follow up until they tell me no right because and i i do give them chance to tell me no so in my follow-ups i will ask them it's like if i'm annoying you please let me know so that i know that Mm. i am not being annoying like so i do feel like initially i'm just feeling like i wrote this one mess and i care so much about myself it's like um, i wrote you one message you know if you don't want to reply to me then probably you don't even want to talk to me like i give myself so much importance and i think this is something has to do with uh, what we talked about initially also, is like, you only care about yourself. But my thinking is just like, I sh- just have to ditch that shyness. I would say it's like feeling that you're annoying someone rather now my approach, especially now that I refine my offer really well, I see a lot of good results. I know that I can help them, especially if I'm reaching to- out to really ideal clients. I know that my things is actually going to help their business. Then I'm even more confident in telling them, hey, I would just like to send you this thing that I created and I just want to help, you know? So definitely went from being shy to being confident in what I'm doing. But I don't think it's just a one-sided thing. Like you have to also really understand your market and refine your offer for you to increase the confidence. It cannot just be a one-sided thing.
1: Yeah, which you did in the early days by having all those conversations, right?
0: Yeah, definitely, yeah.
1: There was two reframings that I thought were really powerful there that, that some people might have missed. The first one was around the narrative that if people don't want to talk to me, then I'm annoying them, then they will tell me. So it's the belief that I can only be annoying someone if they tell me that I'm annoying them, rather than assuming that I'm just going to annoy people, which I think is like a really, really powerful belief. And the second one is I know I can help these people. So the more you get to know your target market, the more you refine your offer, the more you actually... Understand the pain points and the the problems, and and you start to see results in your business. The more you know, that actually you can help these people. So it's the focus, right? It's the focus on I know I can help you. This is about you, not about me. And I think they're like two really powerful reframes. Definitely, I think a
0: lot of things came from assumption. Like you, you just assume what they want. You assume that they need a video. You have no evidence in anything. And I remember you also told me about something. Is like I was telling you some of the issue that I had. And then you asked me like, do you have any evidence on what you just said? And I said like, I have zero evidence in what I said, like literally no evidence, everything came off on my head. Yeah. And so like, I realized that a lot of things that I did was purely based on assumption. And we're not even aware of that. So that, that was definitely something that was a shift for me.
1: Mm. Yeah, I love that, man. So let's just give people a bit of context of where you're at today, because we're kind of talking about this and it's like, it sounds great. Kai sent a bunch of emails to people didn't get a response then he started trying on LinkedIn sent more emails got a client good for Kai let's celebrate but let's really kind of unpack how this has now impacted your business how it's compounded over time and let's just contrast the difference from where you were initially after that first year to where you are now both financially confidence wise like what are the biggest things that have changed for you two biggest
0: thing I would say is the amount of clients that are coming in and my financial security. This is like specifically, I would say is financial security. And and like I said at the beginning, I can live with nothing. I can live like a university student, so I don't need anything. But as a family man, it requires a certain level of lifestyle for the family. And so that was literally my biggest stress. And now I feel like once the money part is solved. I can focus on so many other things that can maintain that lifestyle. And I think I told you last time, I couldn't imagine that the problem that I have right now is something that I would dream to have last year, which is having too much client right now, right? And not having enough help. So definitely the two things that I have is financial stability
1: and also a ton of clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to give people some context, like you don't have to say this if you don't want to, it's totally up to you. But can you share some numbers either in a like percentage increase or in like an actual value just to give some people some context of kind of like where you were versus where you are now?
0: Sure. So I had projects that goes from 10K video projects to 30K, but 30K is extremely rare. I got only a few times, but mostly 10K. And I have a ton of small projects, which are just $1,000 to $2,000. Like I'll just go shoot something and, and come back. So right now. My project still goes from 10K to 30K, but my profits are a lot higher. So one 10K project back then for me, in order for me to do it, it will cost me $9,000. Sometimes I don't even make a lot of money. I I, I just completely transparent about it. Like I was just a passionate artist, right? You put all your money in to create that project. But now is, I would say for a 10K project, I can spend probably one or 2K to do it. And it's a completely different thing though, for what I'm doing right now, it's because of the offer. Like I completely changed the whole offer. So it's, I cannot compare them technically side by side, like price wise you can, mm. but what I, for what I'm doing right now is completely different.
1: Okay, cool. Let's talk a little bit more about the offer then. Cause there's obviously two parts to, to building the business, right? Mm-hmm. It's like getting the clients in, but you've got to have an offer that's profitable and you've got to have an offer that, you know, is scalable and that, that you can deliver. So what changed about the offer?
0: Yeah, so the offer, which is something that also, um, to be completely honest, I feel like I hit the right spot just a few, like I would say a month ago, a one, one month or two months ago, to be completely mm-hmm. precise. is because I start to really, really see the client's pain point. Like, I think the more accurate I am to their pain, the easier it is to craft the offer. And right now, everything I look at is just purely the result that I'm creating rather than the scale of the video. So, and the way I noticed the shift was just based on the conversation I have with my clients. So if it is a year ago, I would just say, okay, if you want to shoot this video, we, we got to we gotta rent this studio, we got to rent these cameras. And I'm just talking about everything that I do. But right now, I just had a call yesterday and we didn't talk about anything about videos up until the last probably five, six minutes. Then we talk a little bit about the videos and so okay, then we're just going to do it like that. But everything we talked about was just about how can we solve their problem? And I think that's the the main difference in how I, I change my offers. And it's a lot easier to put the price once they know that you can solve that problem because they know that they cannot go to another video production agency to solve that problem. And I had a lot of cases where They thought I was too expensive and I was the first agency that they talked to. So they talked to four other and they still came back to me because
1: the four other just didn't understand their problem. I love that. Okay, amazing. So if I'm listening to this, let's imagine Kai 12 months ago is listening to this podcast. What do you think your next question to you would be? What are the clients' problems? Tell me so I can craft the offer. (laughs) Yeah, but there's a step back from that, right? So how do we get to that point? How do we get to that conversation? What is it that you actually do differently on those calls? The thing that
0: really helped was the market research that we did at the beginning when we first started to work together. I think everything was based on that. Like it's the, hmm. it's the foundation of everything, I would say, because now I'm, I wouldn't say I'm at the perfect positioning yet because I'm still kind of struggling between B2B and B2C, but I understand the industry so well now. Like, I even know what's the next problem that they can happen to them after they solved a particular one. So, I think the more you understand the industry and literally everything about how they deliver their product, how do, does the client deliver their, their product and services? How do they talk to their bosses? Like, literally everything. I need to sound like I've worked in their company before. That's how much I need to know their business. And I think that was the biggest shift. Like, because a lot of the, People that I talk to, they might just join the company for one year and they don't really know what's going to happen with these marketing stuff. So I'm basically coming in as a senior telling them that, you know, once you launch the product, this is going to happen. And then your boss is going to tell you this and then you have, you cannot answer him. You know, so it, it, we have a lot of conversation like, so it definitely, it gave me so much confidence during these conversations because I
1: understand exactly how their process works. So there's two things that I know people will have some resistance around here. Number one is being really specific about who you work with to the point where you can have Mm -hmm. those kind of conversations. And then number two is the, I suppose, authority piece and like who am I to tell this person X or like I'm just a videographer. How do I know about this market or whatever? So let's tackle the first one because when we first started working together, you weren't specialized at all, were you? You were quite broad.
0: Yeah, I would like to believe that. Like I did think that I wanted to get into the tech space but all of my portfolio says nothing
1: about that. Yeah. So you were serving like quite a few different clients which which I think like from somebody who's who had only been running a business for a year was probably like probably the right thing. So did you have any fears or concerns about being super specific about who you worked with?
0: Yeah, 100%. And I did hear a lot of lecture talking about the benefit of of having a niche positioning, but it always sounds good, but it's just so scary when you have to do it yourself. So I was definitely still getting some projects from other industry initially just because I needed the money, but the resistance was definitely just worrying that I'm like a new right? There are a lot of people who are much better than me and how can I just tackle in like that? But obviously I quickly found out that that wasn't the case because mm. the competition immediately decreased a lot, by a lot. Because now I know exactly who are doing, like, who are my competitors,
1: very few. Mm. Okay. So you had less competitors and it enabled you to kind of understand the market. And then, so the second thing is like, what was the resistance or any resistance or fear that came up when we basically advised you to, you know, like use the one page sales framework and ask these kind of questions. When we started out telling you to do that initially and really kind of position yourself as the problem solver, were there any fears or doubts or hesitations that cropped up for you to actually go in and like ask those deeper questions, ask questions about their product and how it worked. Because, you know, a lot of people I know for a fact, if they're running an agency or they're a service provider, they're like, I can't go in and ask questions about their product and how it works because I'm just here to deliver animation or video or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. The resistance was, was very bad because I did have people just start me and then say, why are you asking these questions? And at the beginning, it happened to me so many times. And I recorded every single sales call that I had, even till now I have it in my computer. And I will look back and it's like, now nobody ever asked me, why do I ask these questions. And I noticed it's because of the way I asked the questions. And obviously initially, I didn't know much about their industry. So I was just genuinely curious about their stuff. But I think it's just about the order of asking the questions. And then it will start to make sense. But I think at the beginning, I just say, okay, you sell this product, Like, uh, what what are you going to do with it? How are you going to release it? It's like, everything is just so too sudden and it's still because of me not understanding their problem. If I kind of change the order of the question, then it starts to make sense. Then they will realize how important those questions are. So I think Mm. definitely it has to do with the way I ask the questions. And so the resistance initially, like you said, I feel like it's none of my business who am I to learn about their business, right? Like, are they even going to tell me? And I did feel embarrassed multiple times when they asked me back, like, why are you asking these? Um, And I'm like, oh, it's because I I hope that I can, you know, improve our services, whatever. I didn't know what I was saying. So the resistance was just the same, just scared to feel embarrassed that they questioned
1: me. So how did you push through that and keep asking those questions in spite of someone saying, why are you asking these questions? Like, what was it that allowed you to... To keep asking them in spite of that well that's so easy because i'm genuinely
0: curious about those stuff like and i think this is something that is also so important because you have to pick a niche that you're genuinely passionate about i think these things people might find boring like especially b2b tech product it's like industrial computers who knows what you're doing with that but i'm really fascinated by what they're doing it and how involved it is in our day-to-day life so I would start to have conversation I especially love when those people are actually passionate about their job as well. Then we can have very long conversations. So it's definitely
1: because I'm genuinely curious about it. And how important do you think that is? If someone's niching down and they're gonna go in a particular market, how important is it that people or like service providers like videographers and designers are genuinely curious and genuinely interested in the people that they're serving?
0: I think as an artist, it kind of has to do with something that you also mentioned about before. It's like the impact that we want to create, right? And I also thought about it, It's like, if you want to really create impact, then you need to be specific about it. So my idea of whether or not I'm being impactful is that whether or not they truly need me or I'm just a nice-to-have. So when I can start to really solve their problem, then I'm not just a nice-to-have they need me, right? So I think when you're really niching down in it, then you become a lot more significant. And I think as an artist, we, all we want is that people need our stuff, you know, to be honest. We say impact, but we just want people to love what we do. And the way to do it is to be impactful. And the way to be impactful is to truly solve their problem. So that's my thinking of how I, the approach of positioning is because I understand their industry so well, so I know I can actually solve their pain so that they will come back to me. Love that, man.
1: Love that. So now that you have learned all of these things, and now you've got to this point where you have lots of clients, what's next for your business? So if you fast forward 12, 24 months, what is now possible for you? And what do you want to achieve now you've kind of created this foundation? I have to. Kind of two plans right now. One is that
0: as an ambition, I want to take over this whole industry. Like, I want to be the best guy at solving tech product marketing
1: problems. Yeah, or the only guy.
0: Yeah, I literally know who are my competitors right now. I know all of them and I've met some yeah. of them. So, like, and I want to be the best at Kai's it. Kai's
1: competitors, if you're listening, Kai is coming for you.
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yes, I I am. This is my my ego talking, but like this is the main thing. And I also want to be kind of create a lot of uh, something that you mentioned before is like IP stuff. So I want to have a lot of different strategy and and things that that came from me and people start doing it in the industry. That's I want to see. I want to see the the tech industry being a lot better because of my services. And one of the things that I always say is that I want to humanize tech brands. I want to make them more human because I think tech is something that amplifies the the, the human race. It makes us better. And what they're doing right now is just make tech very boring, robotic, soulless. And I just hate to see that. So what I want to do is make it, humanize it again and make people realize that tech is making our life better and not just a, a boring thing. So if the tech industry is getting a lot better because of me, I, I think I definitely will be happy with it. So this is the emotional side of things.
1: Yeah. I love that mission. And I'm just curious if Kai from 12 months ago heard you saying that, what do you think their opinion would be?
0: To be honest, I feel like I 12 months ago, I wouldn't understand what I'm saying right now. I think mm. the thing that I'm saying right now needs a lot of context. And that's why sometimes people hear some successful people talking. They would just say, "Oh, he's saying that just because he's rich. He's saying that because he's Warren Buffett." Like it lacked a lot of context in how I get to where I am today. So I think if I really want the me twelve months ago to understand, I need to show him exactly where how I get where I am today, so that he would understand why I'm going towards where I want to go in the next twelve months.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really good answer because one thing that I often see. As a result of people going through this process is essentially they become more entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. and they start talking about the problems they want to solve in the world the industries they want to change rather than the videos that they want to make better or they want to get better at the skill set or whatever like And for me, that's micro versus macro. That's the kind of change that I want to see in the world. That's the impact that I want to make with my business and my services is to make people more like you, where you're going out there and you want to change an industry. You want to make an industry better. Mm -hmm. And video is just one of the tools that you have to do that. Mm -hmm. So can you speak for a second to that mindset of kind of, entrepreneur versus just purely artist? What do you feel like the difference is and what's the shift been for you personally? It's definitely because
0: when you can see how much impact you can create through your work and not necessarily just art, then you, you start to see that satisfaction, I would say. Like you couldn't realize the impact that you could create. I didn't know that I could do so much. I didn't know that people would respect me when I'm relatively much younger than them, right? And especially in the East, in the Taiwanese culture like I'm 28 right now and most of my clients they might be uh, 40 50 and I remember literally just 2 days ago I had a call with a client and they say they're doing some microphone check they have some technical issues so they told me to wait so I turn off my camera I turn off my mic and they thought I couldn't hear them and they just started discussing he looks so young like he, he can can we trust him you know it's like he looked like just straight out of uh, college or something like that and it's like in Taiwan it's just so common like when they see that you're young they don't trust you and it's been a struggle for me just because of I know Asian typically look younger, but I just love the idea that they didn't believe that I could create so much impact, but then I prove it to them. And I think as an entrepreneur, the more you grow, the more you realize, oh, I just, I want to create more and more impact. Every time you raise the level, you just want to create even more impact
1: to people's life. And I think that's the, the level that I'm just trying to reach now. Yeah. I love that, man. That's super inspiring. Dude, thank you so much. Like this has been such a a powerful conversation. I know lots of people are going to get value from it. Is there anything else that we kind of haven't talked about that you feel is significant that you would want people to hear or anything else that you'd kind of want to say?
0: Yeah, I would definitely say one thing. And this is something that I learned once I I started to work with you is to focus on things that doesn't require luck. And I, I remember I, I had I answered one of your LinkedIn posts days talking about like opportunity and stuff and people being jealous of other people having opportunities and stuff. And say, oh, because someone is lucky, that's why they got certain work. But like we said, 1% of luck and 99% of hard work. And we always focus on that 1% of luck, right? And there's 99% of things that, that doesn't require luck. And all of the things that I learned from you are things that doesn't require luck. Like it doesn't require me luck to follow up or to write... Fifty emails a day, fifty messages a day. It th- doesn't require luck, and those are the things that truly can help you grow. So I would say just focus on everything that doesn't require luck, and hopefully, you know, we all can become better entrepreneurs or whatever.
1: Yeah, I love that, man. Thanks for sharing. Where can people find more about you if they want to follow you on social or find out more about your business? You can find me on Instagram. Just to see my some of my photos.
0: It's uh, a Kai Cheng, A K A I C H E N G or search Kai Cheng on LinkedIn, which is K-A-I-C-H-E-N-G.
1: Awesome, man. We'll put that in the show notes as well for people if they want to connect with you. Awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure, dude. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me.